The Rough Drafts Podcast is sponsored by Unicorn.com, the world's premier esport betting site. Log on today to bet on all your favorite esports titles at the simple click of a button. Choose your game, choose your team, earn Unicorns, and who knows, maybe you'll earn enough to enter to win any number of fabulous prizes, such as Logitech peripherals or CSGO skins in their marketplace. Unicorn.com. Log on today. Hello, Internet. This is Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar. I'm a free agent, head coach, and analyst, as well as a contributor at Slingshot Esports. And welcome to week four of the NALCS Guess the Lions podcast presented by Slingshot Esports. It is an exciting time to be a North American fan. It feels like after this past week, we've seen things return to a relative normalcy. Uh, teams that we didn't think a lot of have fallen back down to earth. Teams that we thought were going to do a bit better are starting to pick up their stride again. And when I say we, of course, I am referring to my good friend and co-host, Walter Ciedis Fetchuk. Walter, how you doing, man? I'm still tilted from the European Odds podcast. <laughs> I'm still tilted. I'm still tilted. Hopefully it didn't uh, didn't leak out into my picks but uh, we will. We shall see. We shall see. I'm going to put it this way, man. Either I'm absolutely insane or it's going to leak into the picks because I do not feel good about any of these odds. I did feel good about how we did last week, though. Last week, we went two and one. Unfortunately, we didn't take as many big risks as we probably could have. We took Envious at pl- minus 125 over CLG. That one was a win. We took Liquid at minus 149 over NRG. That was a win. We also had Envious plus 220 over Immortals, which, while it didn't come through, I totally think is reasonable. Those games were both very close. But that leaves us 6-3 and overall in the season with $422 of total profit for you guys. If you bet $100 on every smart money bet, you'd have an extra $422 in your pocket right now. It's free money, people. Take advantage of it. We're here to help you. We're going to start this episode with the first game of the week. It is CLG versus Immortals. Obviously, Walter, Immortals has established themselves with that win over Envious as the second best team. But let's talk about Counter Logic Gaming first. What did we see from them last week that has any kind of optimism for you moving forward about this team? I mean, they they beat a team that they were supposed to beat. They beat Echo Fox. Echo Fox isn't very good. And they just, they went to the signature strategy of put Darshan on a split pusher and let him go to town. And that's what they did with the two Jax games. I mean, they did have the one successful game against Envious where it was Hui finally, you know, showing some ability to carry and and had a very, very good rise game into Ninjas and Nivea. Um, But beyond that, the the second and the third game seemed to show similar issues. They really weren't able to get Darshan going in any type of split push. And Envious really preyed upon Hui's inability to to impact the map and Stixay's inability to make plays for himself when he doesn't have 
any real solid type of peel from his tanks and from his uh, from his support player. So I don't think we learned anything new about CLG. They're still struggling. They're still trying to figure things out. But they should have learned that they're at their most successful when Darshan can really get onto one of these split-pushing top laners and make a large impact across the map, whether it's a Trundle, whether it's a Jax, whether it's an Aurelia, like, all these champions do very similar things when you get them 1v1 in a side lane, and they just didn't play to that strength, especially in games 2 and 3 against Envious. Here are some he stats for those of you who are looking for some ammunition on the he is not a particularly good player bandwagon. Uh, he has the lowest kill participation amongst all mid laners. The only one who is lower is technically KFO had a game in the mid lane, but I don't think that really counts. He has the second lowest KDA amongst all mid laners who have played 10 games or more. If you expand that to five, he's ahead of only GBM, Pyrian, and Slushy. And oh, by the way, his laning phase has been atrocious as well. The second worst CS differential at 10 minutes at negative 6.7. I could keep going. It doesn't go well. He has the second highest deaths of all mid laners in North America. Nothing is going his way. And one rise game where he was rightfully given the MVP for it does not change just how bad he's looked on some of these meta champions. Zillion was terrible. He's 0-4 this year on Victor. He can't play Vladimir, and everyone can play Vladimir right now. These are concerns. These are legitimate concerns that don't just go away because you beat up on a team in Echo Fox that isn't very good. And if you're CLG right now, yes, it feels good to be back at least within a game of being in the playoffs. Being 2-4 and four isn't what you wanted six games into the season, but you can work with it in a way that you couldn't work with it had you lost both of your games last week. But... I don't care that you took a game off of Envious when everything in the draft broke your way. The fact that all it took was to take Rise off the table for your team to fall apart tells me you're still not there yet. And if I'm CLG, that's a huge concern because I don't know how that gets better. I don't know what we're going to see from Huhi that's going to magically take a step forward when he's failing across the board in every possible category. But let's go to the other side of this, Walter. Immortals. What do they have to do to close the door on this team and seal in a, a quick victory here? I mean, CLG, it's very clear that they need to play through Darshan, play through his split push pressure. And you have arguably one of the best top laners in the West in, in who me, who can really just effectively shut him down. They've really shown that they're just going to keep playing the Sorelli as often as they get it. And that takes a champion out of Darshan's pocket. But I'm really curious to see what they do if they don't get the Aurelia. If someone does ban it against them or does pick it before they get to it. We saw that Huni went to this Rumble pick, which is slowly getting some steam back in, especially now the teams are really fighting over early dragons if they aren't named Cloud. So it's kind of interesting to see how Immortals' playstyle will change if Huni keeps being denied these sort of split push champions and can only be allowed to play something like a Rumble or going back to like Echo or Maokai. Um, so I'd like to see CLG challenge Huni in terms of that regard and really try to set up Darshan for a victory. But at the same time, the rest of the players on Immortals just have more impact over the course of the game than those, than those on CLG. 
And Paul Belter versus Huhi could really be another one of those matchups where if Immortals just wants to take a quick 2-0, that is where you apply the pressure. Yeah, this is the problem for CLG. If you're going to go at it from a split-pushing perspective, well, Rainover has been playing Rek'Sai more than any other jungle champion. He's 5-0 and on it. He's everywhere on the map. He will track you down. Darshan's going to have a very hard time split-pushing into that. Okay, so let's remove Rek'Sai. Okay, well, the next is Olaf, who just runs right at you and can very easily get across the map in his own right. Nidalee has also been very much played, uh, and he's done some fantastic stuff on that Nidalee. It's just very hard to imagine Darshan getting away with the kind of solo split-pushing threat, even if he was able to get a lead on Nahuni, which, as you mentioned, is a very big task in its own right. You have to hope that 6A comes together. You have to hope that this team starts rounding itself out. But Pobelter, man, he sneakily had a very good year. Four Player of the Game awards so far this split. He's put up some pretty nice numbers, and that does not make it seem like things are going to go very well for a team with such an exploitable weakness in Huhi. Walter, where do you think this leaves the line? I have Immortals at minus 333. Okay, you get this one. I went too low. I said Immortals minus 300. It is Immortals minus 370, which I can't decide if that's respect for CLG or not. Compared to other Immortals lines, that's actually quite reasonable. I, I think that's reasonable because they still are giving CLG some legacy points and thinking that they might work it out. But at the same time, it is giving Immortals their due of their really strong team. They're the second best team in North America. And CLG hasn't shown a lot of... They haven't shown a lot to impress you and make you think that they might be able to take a game off of Immortals. Yeah, I think that's very reasonable. I want to get on to the next game. Liquid versus Apex. Walter. Is Liquid back? Are we back on track with Liquid here after they 2-0'd this week? I'm... Let's be honest. They played against Phoenix 1, and they played against Energy Esports, and that game, it took them three games to actually knock off Energy. What is very interesting is that they are shifting so much into a Dardock central playstyle. They're really making him be the one to carry the games. I thought it was very interesting that they talked about allowing Fabi to start these two series, that he basically asked for it, and that Steve and Lokodoko basically acquiesced to that request and said, yeah, we believe that you deserve to be in the LCS. And I believe it was Emily Rand, but someone made a comment of, by allowing Fabi to start, they're now looking into a future post-Piglet, which the emergence of Dardock as a premium carry jungler, as one of the best carry junglers in the West, uh, outside of maybe Spirit, has shown that now Piglet is sort of, he's sort of expendable. You don't necessarily need him, especially when you have someone who is an LCS-capable AD carry sitting on your Team Liquid Academy roster in, in Fabi. So it's interesting to see sort of this world without Piglet. The only concern I have with that is, does a world without Piglet also mean a world without Phoenix? Do they Would they also replace Phoenix, and who would they potentially replace Phoenix with? Because um, I'm not sure you want to only keep one Korean on this roster. Then, as you kind of expand out, well, does that make 
Lorlo expendable? Does that make Matt expendable? You know, where where would they make other changes if they open up an import slot? Um, but at the end of the day, they played against two of the weaker teams uh, in the LCS, even though Energy has shown some comeuppance and Quas has certainly played better. Um, and the rest of the roster certainly started to improve based off of where they started at the beginning of the season. I don't think this taught us anything new about Team Liquid other than the fact that Fabi might be an LCS capable AD carry. Yeah. I think that's fair. And if you look at the stats that Fabi had, obviously five games is not a true sample size and five games against weaker teams means we have to take everything into account. But of 80 carries that have played five or more games this split in North America, he leads those 80 carries with a 77.6 kill participation. You know who's last on that list? Piglet at 58.3%. Despite playing four fewer games Fabi has 15 more assists than Piglet does. And Piglet died 21 times in nine games versus Fabi's seven in five. The CS differential at 10 minutes. Fabi is averaging 14.4. Is that, you You don't just do that because you're playing weaker opponents. You do that because you're really good at the game. And I don't know if it's going to necessarily last. Certainly his damage per minute numbers weren't particularly high and that's symptomatic of games that were ending earlier and like i said it's very possible that all of these numbers are skewed by just playing weaker opponents but you know things like being able to group up with the team being able to do enough damage in team fights being able to make your own gold that translates he is going to translate into an LCS caliber player, whether it's on Liquid or otherwise. And honestly, that is a testament to the way that Liquid as an organization has handled their challenger players. That They've rightfully gotten criticism in the past for how they've handled younger talents. But with Fabi, it really seems like they've done a good job bringing him on. And we'll see if we get to see him again. Obviously, Piglet was part of a, a team that really struggled early on this split. So hopefully now that Dardock's back, they can return to form. But it's very much in play that there's a long-term plan. But Apex, on the other hand, are trying to come up with a long-term plan that involves having a win condition that isn't just, please, God, let Ray carry us through to the championship. What did you think of Apex's play this week? Did they do enough to make you convinced that they're going to be able to bounce back? I mean, that's still a pretty good uh, that's still a pretty good strategy. And while you know, while both of their series went to three games, and you could kind of critique them for the fact that the Phoenix one game was so so poor, I don't think it had much to do with Ray or even the bot lane. I think it's just that. Phoenix one completely counteracted uh, Keen. They played really, really well against the Twisted Fate. Pyrian looked pretty good as a mid laner, and we have the return of Mashmi finally. That no one has ever commented on what happened there, why Mashmi wasn't playing. There's rumors abound, and even the owner of Phoenix one, as of the time that recorded this in his AMA on Reddit, hasn't really mentioned anything that happened there. But for Apex, it's, you know, when when it's not broke, you don't fix it. And Ray playing the split push kind of carry style hasn't really failed them. He's really exerting a lot of pressure on the rest of the map. And the team feels fairly CLG-esque 
of the spring and summer splits of last year, relying on Ray to absorb so much in the top lane, absorb a ton of pressure, absorb a ton of jungle gains, a lot of uh, mid lane roams up to the top. And now it's just making sure that Keen and Apollo feel safe and can you know, do what they need to do in team fights. And the games that they've lost are when Keen hasn't been able to exert enough influence on the map. It's been when the enemy teams have really been able to catch X special out in roams. And they've been able to take advantage of some of these rather weak moments that the, uh, the carries of apex and the jungle and support have in terms of where they ward and when they ward and their pathing and all these other different things. Um, but against Cloud9 in particular, you showed a really strong team composition in Game 2. Even going into Game 3, Apex looked like they were going to be able to succeed, but Cloud9 said, all right, you want to make Ray your star, you're going to put him on this carry Jarvan, we're just going to keep going after him. And that's what they did with the LeBlanc and the Ash Arrows, is they kept going after Ray. They kept finding him whenever he was trying to split push, finding him when he was rotating back into his team, finding him wherever they could, and they just got such a massive lead on this LeBlanc that no matter what Apex was able to do in the you know mid to late game, they were never ever going to get back. So when I look at Apex as a team, I think they have a good thing going. Now it just comes down to nailing this consistency and maybe not going to Evelyn's, maybe not picking Evelyn because she's not a very strong pick right now, um, but just fine-tuning this the strategy that they've made and please for the love of god don't actually use your 10-man roster i think this is the best roster that you could put out right now i don't think changing shrimp for diamond prox will change anything i don't think keen for shifter will change anything i don't think changing apollo for Rur will do anything because then you have to change ray for Sh for chris and i don't think chris is an upgrade over ray so stick with this roster keep fine-tuning things crumbs and and saint vicious have some things going in their favor and right now they do sit in the playoffs ahead of ahead of clg and also ahead of team liquid so they have a little bit of buffer room while those two teams continue to struggle and figure themselves out i'm gonna make a quick counter argument on what i see is is the biggest problem with apex right now i think shrimp is a problem and here are some stats that are important to keep in mind shrimp has died nine more times than any other jungler in north america 49 deaths so far this split he is eighth in kill participation amongst junglers so he's dying a lot but he's not necessarily sacrificing himself to get kills for the rest of his teammates he's just getting caught out a lot uh, when you look at wards placed per minute he is dead last amongst supports in the league. His ward clearing is not much better. So if he's not giving you vision, he's not helping get a ton of kills for your team, and he's dying a lot, that's a concern to me. Those are three things that you don't want your jungler to do. And I do believe that with Cloud9, that had a huge impact on the series. The biggest problem with uh, in game one against Cloud9 is that Shrimp went 1-8-4. and four. I mean, he was just getting constantly caught out in the Cloud9 jungle with no real objective as to why he was there by both Meteos and Jensen on the Twisted Fate, you can't play that way and then assume that you're going to be able to trust in your solo laners to get things going. They've got to hammer that out or they're going to find themselves in the Rocket Corollary where you have two really nice carry potential players on your team, but your jungler is so bad and so predictable that it ends up costing you in the long run. And I don't know, I haven't watched much of the Challenger series, so I don't know if Diamond's any better. But like I said, there are a lot of ways in which you cannot get worse than what Shrimp has been doing right now. 
What do you think the line is, Walter? I have Team Liquid as the slight favorites at minus 133. Okay, you get this one as well. I said Team Liquid minus 170. It is minus 141. I I wasn't impressed with Apex. I think if you drop a game to Phoenix 1 and Shrimp looks as badly as he did against uh, Cloud9, that that should matter. But whatever, there's some respect to Apex there. I don't necessarily wholeheartedly disagree. That's plus 110 for Apex, which I think is fine. I'm not sure that we'll make it a smart money bet, but certainly it'll depend on how some of these other lines go. Let's get to Saturday here. Cloud9 versus Envious. I want to talk about Envious for a moment, Walter. You were not on board with me last week when I was talking about how much I love this team. Correct. Are you with me now? Um, I mean, I'm I'm more on board than I was last week. I thought that the series they played against Immortals was rather close, even though it was a 2-0. I thought they played them pretty strong. And the fact that they were able to come back from the game one loss against CLG, which when I watched that series, for a moment I said, maybe this is when CLG finally figures it out. And Envious just shut the door on that really quickly in game two and game three. Just completely shut the door on. Maybe this is the series that CLG like figures it out. They got their win against a really good team. Now they're going to start rolling into the next week and they're going to come out fighting. No, Envious closed the door real quick on that. Um, And they have another kind of prove-it matchup to me here against Cloud9. Cloud9 has shown some struggles over the course of the split, over the course of when they're playing against teams that are are supposedly better than them and against teams that are worse than them. Let's not forget that they also have lost a game to Phoenix 1. In fact, the only team that they've only played two games against was CLG, and they 2-0'd them. Against Apex, they went 2-1 and won that series. Against Echo Fox, they went 2-1 and won that series. Against Immortals, they went 1-2 and lost that series. Phoenix 1, 2-1 and 1. TSM, 1-2 and and lost that series. So they really aren't like sweeping through opponents and they really aren't getting swept. And I think that actually bodes fairly well for Envious because Envious has also shown that they are capable of, of, you know, playing in these kind of three game series against teams that are at a similar play level uh, to them. So when I look at Envious, it's still figuring out the exact experience and goal distribution that they want for all their players, because all four players on this team, with the exception of Hakuo as a support have shown the ability to, carry. Ninja has shown that he can carry from the mid lane. Seraph has shown over the course of his career and the split he can carry from top lane. We even have Proxen now showing that he can carry alongside these two Korean solo laners when you give him the resources and when he takes the kills in some of his ganks. And Lod has been perhaps the biggest breakout star of the North American LCS for me, even above Ray, because this is a guy who has been around since season three in the Challenger series, who's had these moments where you wonder why isn't he in the LCS? And then you watch some of the Challenger games and you go, that's why he's just not good enough. And I have been a pretty big big critic of his because I've watched him play so long. He has played so long that the cognitive gaming team that had Trance and Shorter Ace lost to to him in a NA Challenger Series match in summer of Season 3. And I was part of that organization, part of that team. That's how far back I've been watching this guy play. And to see him finally find a team where he can flourish, where he can show off what he is good at, that he can succeed is really like it, it, it's this warm fuzzy feeling in my belly because he's been around for so long and he's now proven that he deserves to be in the LCS. 
Yeah. No, it's fun watching this right now. This is one of those guys that we heard time and time again was going to make it. He was going to get his chance. He was almost an otter-like figure in that we'd seen him bounce around the Challenger scene for forever and just wait until he gets to the LCS. But the difference is, Lot is living up to all of that hype and then some. He's a guy that just has clearly taken all of the lessons that he learned from the Challenger scene. And what I love about Envious more than anything is that this team has managed to both be a strong early game team and a massively objective focused team. They have the second highest early game rating in North America. They have the second highest dragon control rating. They have the second highest baron control rating. They're also the highest first Baron and highest to take three towers. They rotate really well. They understand that you don't necessarily need to get kills in order to win your games. They play to their outs and they understand what they are as a team. And for Cloud9, the key is going to be establishing enough of a lead to force them behind. Cloud9's advantage is that they tend to do very well at getting early kills. They have a 1,134 gold differential lead at 15 minutes on average as a team, which is impressive given that, as you've said, they've had a lot of losses even in series that they've won and vice versa. They know how to play the early game. If you could put Envious on the back foot, cost them a couple objectives, make them play from behind... That's how Cloud9 needs to win this. If they don't, and if Envious gets to set the pace, I think this could be Envious's coming out party in North America if their 5-1 and one record so far hasn't already done it. Walter, where do you think the line is? I'm giving Cloud9 some legacy points because I feel the casinos are going to do the same thing. Cloud9 at minus 150. Okay, you get this one as well. I told you, I was off on North America this week. I don't know what was going on in my head. I gave Cloud9 even more legacy points just based on the Immortals line that we saw last week. I figured, well, Cloud9 is widely seen as the third best team, even though Envious is technically there. So I said minus 200. It is Cloud9 minus 127, which is great for two reasons. One, it means that Envious is at minus 102, which is incredibly fair. Mm-hmm. given you know the legacy points in play but on the other hand it also kills any chance we had of making it a smart money bet now it's a stay away at all costs there's no reason to bet on this game there's no value on either side just watch it and enjoy it yeah a- absolutely and I-, I think it's fair to in kind of keep envious and cloud nine at the same like level of which one of these teams is going to be the best you know the top three in north america and this is now the match where Cloud9 and Envy prove it. I thought that the match against Immortals was sort of for Envious to prove that they belonged in the top three. And even though they didn't win, I think they showed enough that they do deserve to be considered for that third spot, even if they aren't as good as Immortals. And now this is the matchup where you go, okay, you got two teams that both of them could be the third best team in North America. Which one is it? And I'm so glad that it's happening this early on in the season. So the next time they play, we can go, okay, how did these teams improve? Yeah, this is my game of the week by far. I'm so excited to watch it go down. Let's get a couple games out of the way that are probably less exciting to watch go down. TSM versus Echo Fox. One of these teams is the best team in North America. One of these teams has my favorite owner in North America. Unfortunately, having a great owner that does... Really funny segments on the score.com. I don't think makes your team a winning team. Is there any hope that there will be a surprise here, Walter? Not, not, not a chance. 
<laughs> not, a, not a chance. I'm sorry, Echo Fox. Much like the unicorns of love in Europe, I love your fans. I love your brand. I love everything about you. And I love Rick Fox. Like, come on. Who doesn't love Rick Fox? Uh, but at the end of the day, you guys are just really slumping. You're really having some problems in terms of your, your cohesion. Um, Gringa and Hard are, are not... I don't think they're LCS-capable junglers anymore when you look at the rest of the players around them. And until we see what Inori does, um, they very easily could be the worst you know, jungle tandem in the LCS. So they do need some sort of upgrade at that position. And it, it, it hurts to say that because I worked with both of those players and I wanted to see both of them succeed. But I think now's the time that if Echo Fox really wants to stick around the LCS and be a contender for any type of title in the spring, they really need to look hard at that jungle position in the summer. Yeah, there are a lot of problems on Echo Fox, but certainly uh, getting a new jungler would help. I think the bot lane needs some work. Keith is just so passive when you don't have a playmaking support, and I don't think that Big is that guy. But we'll see what happens. I have a feeling that this is going to be a pretty easily wrapped up series. Walter, how high did you put this line? I have TSM at minus 750. Oh, you jerk. Uh, you were closer than I am. I said minus 600 because I forget that I taught you to do high lines now. This is going very poorly for me. The actual line is TSM minus 2000. I have no argument with this line. <laughs> the, 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 first, the first line that I put it was at minus 1000. And then in between us recording the EU preview podcast and this one, I was like, I'm going to drop it down to 750. So I could have been even closer. Yeah. Uh, well, you're probably closer to the line than Echo Fox will be to winning this series. So at least <laughs> you've got that going for you. Very true. Very uh, true. Immortals versus Team Liquid. We've talked about both of these teams already. If Liquid's going to pull off the upset, Walter, what do they have to do? They need to shut down uh, shut down Hooney. They need to get that brotherly synergy between Lorlo and Dardock and just camp the hell out of them and just put him down to the ground. Know that Phoenix and your AD carry, whether it's Fabi or Piglet, can go toe-to-toe with Wild Turtle and Poe Belter, and you just need to make this, you know, the challenge of we're going to go after Huni and Rainover, and we're going to do it with two guys that we think are better than them. And at the end of the day, I don't think Lorlo and Dardock are better than Rainover and and Huni, but there is a chance that, you know, out of two, out of three games, they could go after him enough and really, really snowball the series. That is very much in play. I have a different path, and this is maybe a little bit more out of the box here. But I think Wild Turtle and Adrian are exploitable. Wild Turtle has the second highest deaths amongst all AD carries right now, and a minus 9.1 CS differential at 10 minutes. Only Slushy during his five games as an AD carry was worse. That bot lane is not doing well. That is a bot lane that has gone away with the fact that Huni and Pobelter have both been playing out of their minds. It might be worth Dardock sending a little bit of energy down to that bot lane. We usually don't see bot lane ganks anymore. But if you can get Piglet and Matt on point, you get them ahead and, and be able to snowball that lane, force Rainover and Pobelter to react and play from behind in that regard... I think that's another way you can do this because if nothing else, we have seen Piglet enough times over the last however many years of his career to know that he is perfectly capable of hard carrying games in his own right. 
And I think Immortals is one of the teams where he could punish them if Wild Turtle continues to have the positioning mistakes he's had so far this split. Where do you think the line is, Walter? I have Immortals at minus 333. Okay, I finally get one. Finally. I'm Come happy on, man. I was on, I was on a Draymond Green like three-point shooting <laughs> run right there. Come on. No way. I'm, I'm sorry. I, uh, I had to do the LeBron block on you. That's just how this goes. I can't be completely stuffed out. I had Immortals minus 400. It is Immortals minus 667. That's liquid at plus 400. I'm not saying I'm, I'm taking it. Wait, wait, wait. But so they gave CLG better odds against Immortals than Team Liquid? Yes. I didn't say they were right. I didn't say they were right. I'm just I'm, telling I'm, you. I'm like, I got a tick right now. Like, I'm, I'm having PTSD <laughs> flashbacks to Europe. What the hell, guys? <laughs> no, this makes no sense. I, okay. Here's your argument. Okay. You're, the only wins that Liquid have are against Echo Fox, NRG, and Phoenix One. All of those teams are terrible. So the strength of victory sucks. And, and Whereas CLG, at least CLG beat Liquid. I guess. I guess. I still think that's that's not right. I don't think. I don't agree with it. I'm just telling you what the logic is. If you break it down, that's. I'm sure that's the logic. That no, the strength that's of victory, completely illogical. <laughs> that's really bad logic. Then strength of victory matters, man. The the NCAA tournament bases their entire seeding on it. Okay, as of course a it doesn't make any sense. University then. fan, don't bring up strength of schedule when it comes to NCAA tournament. I will fight you on that. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to trigger you there. I should I should have known better. That's nearly as triggering. That is nearly as triggering as Doug Gottlieb. <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. And I know what I'm going to change your profile picture to if I win the series. Now I will. So. <laughs> I will murder you. <laughs> Doug Gottlieb is off limits. That's fair. In the same way that Bobby Petrino is off limits. Absolutely. I think that's fair. We each get Absolutely. all one. <laughs> NRG versus Phoenix one. Do we have any faith that energy is going to turn this around? I feel like last week was the last gasp of, is this team going to be relevant? And their loss to Liquid was a resounding no. Is that too harsh? Am I being too harsh on this team? I mean, I, I think they're going to be relevant if we talk, talk about, like, the fight for, like, 7 and 8 and 9. Like, yeah, not making the playoffs, it'll be a relevant discussion. I don't think they're absolutely awful. I think they have a few bright spots here and there. And um, they're just, they're kind of going to turn into the retirement home. It's going to be like Masters 3 in uh, in China the last couple of years. Like, the veteran players, you're going to get some veteran players. They're going to play there. They're not, and they're going to do one of two things. They're either going to look amazing and then get transferred to another team that's better, or, you know, Kwas and Kiwi Kid are kind of sitting here going, and eh, maybe I don't want to play League of Legends professional anymore. Maybe I'm done. Maybe this, maybe it's time. So I, I don't think they're completely relevant. I think they have a chance of maybe stealing games off of the lower tier playoff teams like Apexes and Team Liquids. There's a chance that they steal a series or two, um, but they're more going to be relevant on who avoids the 10 seed and who gets the 7 seed. And they're playing against Phoenix 1, so this should be a fairly easy win unless we get Kitty Katanori that just absolutely goes off, which I don't think will happen. Yeah, that's Phoenix 1's only hope. Here are some energy fun facts for you. They have the second worst early game rating in the league. Only Phoenix 1 is worse. They have the worst goal differential at 15 minutes. Even worse than Phoenix 1 at negative 1,545. 
their kill death ratio is the second worst in the league at 0.72. They're not a good team. They're just really, really, really not a good team. And they've gotten by by the fact that they have the second highest average game time and they're okay at Barons. They get 53% of first Barons. But everything else from words placed to words cleared, jungle percentage, it's just all bad all the time. There's nothing that you could point to and say, oh man, this makes me optimistic that they're going to turn things around. And unless the roster is going to somehow get better overnight, and they're going to sign some big name guy that we've just forgotten is currently available. I don't see it happening. Luckily, they're playing Phoenix one. So if ever there's going to be a bounce back week, this would be it. Where do you see the line, Walter? I have energy at minus 200. Okay, I get this one. Never underestimate how little the casinos think about Phoenix one. I said energy minus 350. It is NRG minus 526. I'm not saying we're going to take it because I don't want to gamble on Phoenix 1 unless I absolutely have to. But plus 340 on the off chance that Inori is any good. But here's the, interesting. But here's the thing. If he's good and they give him the Rengar, which is his, his like, it's his champion. He's a Rengar main. That's always what he does. That's what his montages are, much like Shorter Aces was Lee Sin. Um... If he gets one game of Rengar, Energy's just going to ban it. If he gets game one and goes off on Rengar, there's no way that Hermit's going to go, all right, but let's see you do it twice. Like, let's see you do it again. No, he's going to ban the champion. And I just don't think in best of threes, there is very little that you can do to cheese a team twice in one best of three series. It's nearly impossible. It's nearly impossible. So that's true. If, if, if there is a chance of Phoenix 1 winning a series, a full series, it's going to be against Energy or Echo Fox. Right. I'm just not sure how likely that is of ever happening. I don't think there is a very high chance of that ever happening. Well, that's the case. Is if you think Phoenix 1 goes 0-18, then it doesn't matter. But plus 340 on the bet that NRG is terrible and Phoenix 1 only needs one cheese game and then one game like the one they got off of Cloud9 or Apex. I, I think it's in play. Let, I, I hope we're going to find better odds. Let's keep going. Let's search for something better. We're going to go to Sunday now. Cloud9 versus NRG. We've, uh, we went over our things with NRG just then. Let's talk about Cloud9 for a moment. What does Cloud9 need to do outside of just this Envious series to really prove that they're not this you know, middle ground, dropping games back and forth team. How do they cement themselves as a team that you can depend on on a game-to-game basis? They need a 2-0 teams that are worse than them. That's that's what it comes down to. They just need to show some consistency. And against TSM, they played... The, the first game was fairly close. The second game was fairly close. And, and Cloud9 just got the snowball finally rolling because Impact was able to outduel Haunters. And then game three... TSM just said, all right, time to time to show 
you know, time to show you who really is the big man on campus. And they just crushed them, just absolutely crushed them. So they need to get some consistency, especially when they're playing against teams that are worse than them, which energy is a team that is worse than them. And they need to just beat these guys. They need to 2 0 them. They just need to take them out back and finish the job. Because when you have these series that are dragging on to three games, when Apex is able to use that Jarvan and just absolutely blow up your AD carry and your mid laner in one combo, granted, game three, they turn it around, they figured out, okay, this is what we do. This is how we, you know, this is how we counteract it. But you've gone 2 1 against Apex, you've gone 2 1 against Echo Fox, and you went 2 1 against freaking Phoenix 1. Come on. I can't take you serious as a credible threat to winning an NA title and accomplishing anything at Worlds when against the worst team outside of the LMS, you are losing a game to in a best of three series. I, I can't. And it was because you made stupid decisions around Barrett. That was why they lost that game against Phoenix One was because they could not control the vision and control the team fights around Barron and lost those team fights and Phoenix One were able to come back in that game. I just can't compare you to Immortals and TSM on that level when you're making simple mistakes like that. And I understand Medios spent an entire, almost an entire year away from the game. He's getting back into the swing of things. But even he has not looked very good when he is not on Rek'Sai. Out of the 17 games he's played, he's played Rek'Sai 10 of them. And the other champions he's been on, he hasn't looked amazing. He hasn't looked great on them. He's looked mediocre. Even ignoring what the stats lines look like, he just looks mediocre by the eye test. You need to figure out how you're going to win games with him, not just on Rek'Sai. And I get Rek'Sai is one of the stronger junglers, but you need to figure out how you're going to win games other than just sheerly out-talenting people. Because that's how it sort of looked like. And when teams have better talent than you, you haven't been up to the task unless they make a major mistake. Unless you're able to get a tiny little advantage here or there. And that's what it was against TSM. That's what it was against Immortals. The two games they won, they were able to get an advantage and take... And kind of snowball it from there. But the games they're losing, especially to lower tier teams, are just really stupid mistakes that you got to fix. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And the other thing I would point to is I don't think s- switching out supports every game is helpful. That just seems like a terrible way to just destroy your momentum in a lot of series. And given how many of these have gone to three games, and it usually is win-loss-win or loss-win-loss for these guys, I can't help but think that Maybe if you win a game, you ride with the support that's winning. That's okay, guys. You don't have to switch out just because, you know, you want to give both of them an equal chance. I don't know why they've decided to do things this way, but there's this thing called momentum. And given how important the support position is to shot calling, especially in the early game as a whole, even if he's not the main shot caller, which I don't think either of them are, having a support that you could depend on is really important. Having that synergy develop as much as possible makes a big difference in how the early game's going to play out. And I think there's a reason that Sneaky's looked kind of average this split. And it's because you probably would too if you had to rotate back and forth between two different supports, each of which have different pools and play a little bit differently. It just seems to me like a complete waste. And I don't know. I To me, it's something that If Cloud9 wants to really make a statement, I want to see them put out their best five and prove that those are the five worth going with by taking a team out. They need to do it. They need to do it consistently, and they need to keep their heads in the game instead of feeling like they have 
room to experiment, room to let certain things through and end up paying the price in the long run. But this is an NRG team that, as we said before, we don't think is pretty good. Where do you think the line is, Walter? I have Cloud9 at minus 300. Okay, you and I split this one because I said the same thing. I said minus 300. It is Cloud9 minus 400, which I think is fair. Entirely yeah. reasonable. I, it's a totally shame because okay I wanted value, but we're not going to get it, and that's fine. We're going to move on. TSM versus Envious. This is one of the teams that theoretically could challenge TSM. So far, Immortals has been the closest challenge that they've had, and Cloud9 kind of following behind. What does Envious need to do to put a dent in TSM's armor when TSM has just looked so good over the last few weeks? They they need to hope that their three-man jungle solo lane death ball is better than the three-man death ball that TSM has, and I'm just not quite sure I see that. Because the, the double lift versus LOD matchup really scares me. It mm. really scares me if I'm an NVX fan because double lift and Biofrost have looked as good as Rush Hour used to in terms of controlling the laning phase, getting on top of the opposing AD carries, you know, really duking it out in the early game. And double lift has just looked like a new AD carry without Yellow Star, with Biofrost. He's looked like a new AD carry. He's looked like old double lift with Aphromo. I'm going to say it. That's that's basically the truth. That's how good he has been. Bjergsen and Haunter, and everyone on this team has basically been playing out of their minds. They've been playing at a level that I did not think was possible for this team. And I said last time on the podcast, I felt bad for, for discounting Biofrost. As a TSM fan, I am so giddy with how well this team is playing. And I'm going to make light of a joke that Fion, the esports writer, posted about the ESPN power rankings of, you, you know, my reaction when people open ESPN power rankings and see TSM is number one over SKT and Jyn and Royal never give up and et cetera, et cetera. I don't think they're the number one team in the world, but we have seen a discussion among fans on Reddit, on Twitter, analysts on Twitter about this TSM roster, this TSM squad might be the best team the West has ever put together. And while I am still personally partial to the Moscow 5 roster of old that at IEM Akatavise took on both the Azubu teams and beat them both and won an IEM championship, I'm, I'm seeing it. I'm possibly seeing that this might be the strongest team that we ever have potentially sent to an international event. There is a chance that the te this team that continues to play with this much synergy, with this much trust and faith in one another, they could make some noise at Worlds. And that's the only team that I'm seeing out of any of the teams in the West that have this kind of, this inkling in my mind. I look at G2, I don't think G2 is going to really make any noise at Worlds. I don't think that of H2K or Fnatic. I don't think that of Immortals or Cloud9 or Envious. But this TSM roster, not because I'm a TSM fanboy, because last, last summer I didn't think TSM stood any type of chance. I didn't think they actually stood a chance in that group. And... I know that on the podcast, I did say, okay, they're going to make it out in second. After the first week, I realized, no, we don't stand a chance in hell. But this team, there is something about this team and the way they are playing that makes me optimistic for when they get to Worlds. I'm not saying they're going to win a World Championship today. I'm not saying they're even going to win groups today because we have no idea what group they'll be in. But looking at the other teams across the world that I've watched a game here and there of those teams, of Royal Never Gave Up, of EDG, of 
SKT and Jin Air, and even just for you, Chase, I have watched two Flash Wolves games just for you, just because I wanted to know, am I right to feel this? And they stand a chance. They stand a chance that if they make it out of North America, they could compete with some of the best teams in the world, much like CLG did in MSI. And if you're any other team in North America, if you're an Envy, if you're an Immortals, if you're a Cloud9, that should scare the living hell out of you. Because if they're good enough to compete with those teams on that level and are playing as good as those teams, I don't see how you beat them. And honestly, unless Envious magically turns into more talented players across the board, which I do not think they are, I don't see how they win this series. I don't see how anyone beats TSM the way they're playing right now. Honestly, the thing that surprises me about TSM is not that they got here. Because if Biofrost was good, we had to imagine that TSM was going to be able to put these pieces together. Double lift's too good. Bjergsen's too good. Hauntzer was looking like he was going to make the leap when we saw him in the playoffs. And him getting there is not a particular surprise. But the fact that they've gotten this good this quickly is incredible. They are the best team across the board in basically every stat you can name. And I understand that that happens when you go 6-0, and but the dominance that they have shown in all of these series, the way they have been able to bounce back when they have been challenged by tough teams like Cloud9 or like Immortals with even stronger efforts, they have proven they have so many ways to win a game. And honestly, Envious, I love you guys. I think you're a great team. This is not the week in which you put things together. This is not the way that you're going to be able to beat a team that that does such a good job of rotating around the map, of getting kills and getting whatever objectives. Everything that you do right, TSM's been doing just as well, if not better, because they're the best team in North America. And they have to be treated as such until we see anything that proves otherwise. So, Walter, where do you put the line? That being said, I'm giving... Envy some credit, and I have TSM at minus 200. Okay, you gave them way too much credit. I, f- I figured. I figured so as much. I got this exactly. I said TSM minus 400. It is minus 400. Fair enough. TSM's the best team in the league. And that, I think, tells you everything. That even against Envious, a 5-1 and one team that is in third place right now in the standings, TSM is minus 400 favorites, and I'm not even thinking about taking Envious a plus 270. Not even crossing my mind. That's how good TSM is. That's that's absolutely fair. And I said on the podcast last week, there is not a team in North America that I'm willing to gamble on against TSM. Yeah, not a team. Not 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 until something changes, and I don't know what that change would be if some meta change threw things off. They just look like such a complete team right now. Let's move on. CLG versus Phoenix One. One of these teams is desperate for a win and is finally starting to turn their season around. The other is Phoenix One. Where do you think the line is, Walter? CLG minus 750. Okay, I get this one, which means we are tied going into the last game. We're 5-5 and right now. Come on. I said CLG minus 500. It is CLG minus 526. So they gave them the same odds that Energy has against Phoenix 1. I don't agree with that. I mean, CLG has one more win than NRG does, and there should be some legacy points involved. I don't particularly get it either, but 
This is the world we live in, I guess. The good news for you is I am over 100 points off on the last line of the oh week. Oh, God. Oh, God. So it comes down to this, Walter. Apex versus Echo Fox. I, I think this matchup in general, there, there aren't a lot of really interesting things to say. But break down your logic with me. What led you to the line that you chose just when you look at these two teams and how they're going to play head-to-head? Echo Fox is not a very good team. I don't think KFO can stand up to the onslaught that Ray is about to go after them. Echo Fox also just lost their coach. They just released uh, COP over the last couple of days, so we have no idea what their preparation is going to be like. Um, Keen is the anti-carry, and if anyone is going to be able to you know, kind of shut down Froggen, it probably is going to be Keen. We've seen them bait Bjergsen into picks time after time, so I can only expect that Keen will have kind of the same mindset up against Froggen. Um, but I just don't think Echo Fox are a very good team right now, and I think Apex are definitely better. I have Apex minus 333. Ah, uh, you get it, you monster. I said Apex minus 350. The actual line is Apex minus 238, which leaves several questions in my mind. Mostly why? I don't know. That's giving that's giving Echo Fox a little bit of a little bit too much credit, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, look, I like Rick Fox as much as the next guy. That does not mean that they are a good team that is worthy of respect against a team in Apex that is tied for fifth for a reason. They're a solid team. They're not a great team, but they're a solid one. Echo Fox surely isn't at this point. I don't I don't get that at all. It, it's, it's a weird one. I, I am sad to see the week go your way, Walter. That does leave us, because I grabbed Europe, you grabbed North America, just like last week. The lead has not changed. I am ahead six to three overall in our challenge here. Mm. But it's it okay. You eked it out. You 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 squeezed by just like, uh, just like the Cleveland Cavaliers. It didn't look great when you started this week's podcast, but you managed to pull it through in the end. No no no. See, I'm gonna I'm gonna do an even further throwback because I was watching this movie last weekend that I have not seen in a very long time. I threw down that suicide bun at the end, like Bernie Mac and Mister Three Thousand. And made it to the playoffs. <laughs> oh, man. That, I'm probably it. the only person on the planet that's going to get that reference. But you know what? It makes me happy, and I just thought of it. I'm proud of you, man. If, if no one else is, I want you to know that I am proud of it. Where uh, where should we look for smart money bets, man? Smart, there's not a lot of upsets I want. Smart money bets. Smart money bets. Smart money bets. Oh, my I mean, Lord. Apex plus 110 against Team Liquid. That's probably, it's probably your best... I mean, that's probably the safest one that we can do that's of reasonable value. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say let's do that one. I'd say let's do Apex over Team Liquid. That's a possibility. So now we need a mid-tier risk, and we need a big risk. Um, I say we do Envy over Cloud9. I, didn't we agree there's not enough value there? Like, this is there's such not, a stay There's not enough value there, but I mean... <laughs> So, so, so let's go through. CLG over Immortals, I don't think that happens. Fox no. over TSM, not a chance in hell that happening. No. Immortals versus Team Liquid, I don't really see that happening. Phoenix won over Energy or CLG. If you put a gun to my head, I pick 
potentially energy this energy game. Um, energy yeah. over Cloud Nine. Not. I mean, I, I hate to tell you this, man, but we're either taking Liquid over Immortals or Phoenix One over NRG for our long shot. That's happening. Because we're not taking Phoenix One over CLG. Nope. We're not taking Echo Fox over Apex. Nope. So we're taking one of those long ones and we're taking one of the plus 270s. That's where we are. Or we take both of the long shots and just say, screw it. I... I I say we do both the long shots and say screw it. Okay. So that's Team Liquid plus 400 over Immortals. I think we both painted two separate paths to victory there. So if either one of them comes through, it's in play. Especially, you know, remember, this is going to be the Piglet spent last week on the bench and everyone's been saying nice things about Fabby. There might be something there. I, I hate you. I hate you for making me gamble on Phoenix One after I've spent this entire split going. I'm never gonna gamble on Phoenix One. Never ever. I hate, I hate you for you having to gamble on it. I yeah, hate what, you. yeah. Don't hate me. Hate the lines, man. What, where's the other value? You want NRG plus two seventy over Cloud Nine? Of course no. you don't. And you certainly don't want Envious against TSM. Yeah. I feel better betting on Phoenix One than against TSM. That's what that line comes down to. That's true. That's very true. That's very true. This is the world we live in, people. That it if you, is. If you enjoy that world that we live in, you should definitely keep coming back. We do podcasts every week, and you can find all of them on soundcloud.com slash esportsroughdrafts or on iTunes if you search for rough drafts on the podcast section there. You can also find all of our Guest Alliance podcasts proudly held at Slingshot Esports. They are sponsors of the pod. We love having them. Uh, as our partners here, they do so much great content in every single esport you can come up with. I'm actually about to go help them out, but I'm going to go to E League and get some interviews done for their Counter Strike stuff. That's coming up and should be a lot of fun. It's been a while since I've done some in person interviews. So that's going to be pretty exciting. Uh, we also, of course, have our social media accounts. You can follow me at Redshirt King on Twitter. Where can the nice people at home find you, Walter? You guys can find me at C80s underscore LOL. And of course, if you love live tweeting, you should follow the podcast itself at Rough Drafts Pod. That's where you'll get all of our podcast updates and live tweets during the LCS games in both North America and Europe. We're going to try to see if we can get an interview for you guys next week. Otherwise, stick to the script. We've got Wednesday, EU guess the lines. Thursday, North American guess the lines. And until then, goodbye, Internet.